Welcome to my podcast, Everyday Sublime, the podcast that sheds light on yin yoga and meditation. I'm your host, Josh Summers, and I want to thank you for tuning in today. I'm really glad you're here. Today's episode marks the launch of the first season of 2019. And in this episode, I want to talk about one of the most frequent questions I receive in my email inbox. But before diving into that discussion, I also wanted to let you know that I recently compiled a series of reflections that serve as an overview of the essential themes of yin yoga. This series is based on many of the most common questions I receive from students in my training programs. And this series is free to all new subscribers to my newsletter. When you sign up for my newsletter, you'll receive these reflections about once a week for 10 weeks or so. And those of you who are already subscribers to my newsletter, you've already received this series this summer. And I want to thank you for all the wonderful comments and feedback you've given me around that series. So to sign up, simply go to joshsummers.net forward slash subscribe. And as a bonus, you'll get free access to two practice videos taught by me, admittedly an earlier and younger version of me. But one practice is a sequence that focuses on the spine and the other for the hips. I'm really excited to share this material with you, my listeners, and I hope that the videos and reflections will continue to support your practice and understanding of yin yoga. So I left a link for you in the show notes to make it easy, but the link again is joshsummers.net forward slash subscribe. Okay, so now to the topic of this episode. Lately, I've also received many emails from students who have taken my trainings, and they share a similar question. In their emails, they observe that all around them, wherever they're teaching, yin yoga classes are being offered more and more. But the classes, they say, are taught by people who are not trained in yin yoga. They haven't attended a yin yoga teacher training. And my students are concerned about this, and they want to know what I think about it. Well, I will now share with you what I think about this. I see five primary reasons why someone should train in yin yoga if they are in any way going to teach others the practice. And those five reasons boil down to safety, knowledge, integrity, feedback, and transmission. I tried to figure out a way to whip this into a clever acronym, but S-K-I-F-T, or SKIFT, really didn't make the cut. So I'll just leave it as is, safety, knowledge, integrity, feedback, and transmission. Of course, these reasons overlap with each other and they aren't the only reason to train, but I think they're a good start and it will be helpful to talk about them individually. So on to today's topic, why train in yin yoga? Okay, so in answering the question, why train in yin yoga, the first thing worth mentioning is that the yin yoga I teach is what the yin yoga community refers to as yin yoga in the style of Paul Greeley, as opposed to yin yoga in the style of Pauli Zink. The distinction between these two styles of yin yoga is confusing for many, and to explain the distinction here would require its own episode. But luckily, Bernie Clark has already written a great article on the topic that can be found on his website, yinyoga.com. And I will include a link in the show notes for that article. 
But in many ways, Paul Greeley set up his style of yin yoga to be what we could call an open source practice, meaning the practice is freely available to practitioners and the practice is updated by its practitioners. In that regard, technically, you don't actually need to be trained in yin yoga to teach. But, as I'll continue to argue here in this discussion, you really should train in yin yoga if you are planning to teach, in my opinion. And the first reason is safety. Although yin yoga looks quite simple, being an effective yin yoga teacher is not so simple. All too often, teachers who aren't trained in yin yoga think they can teach a yin class simply by holding floor postures for several minutes. But this is problematic on many levels. In a general public yin yoga class, not every student should stay in the pose for the same amount of time, and not every student should align themselves in the posture the same way. If an untrained teacher simply applies generalized cues they learned in a standard yoga training to everyone in a yin yoga class, their students will be at risk for injury. And unfortunately, if a student gets injured in a class with an untrained teacher, they will likely blame the teacher and the practice for their injury. Of course, the risk of injury is present no matter how much education the teacher has, but I feel that with good education, the risk of injury sinks dramatically, really drops off. So for the sake of your student's safety, please get properly trained. And being a competent yin teacher requires specific knowledge and experience of several things. These things include the implications of skeletal variation, that is how everyone's bones are shaped differently and what that means for how you align yourself in a pose. It includes an in-depth understanding of fascia and fascia's various properties and how the yin practice specifically influences the fascia. One of my pet peeves is actually hearing yin yoga teachers say, yin yoga is the yoga that works the fascia. This is just patently false. All yoga, all physical yoga will influence the fashion. You have to understand specifically what is unique about yin yoga's influence on the fascia. It's also important to know the difference between what we call functional alignment and aesthetic alignment, as well as things around how to modify postures for each individual. And uh, it's important to have intelligent sequencing strategies for planning your classes. Now, all of this and more is what I cover in a live yin yoga teacher training foundations module, what I call the foundations module, covering the basic physical elements of the practice. To borrow and embellish a metaphor from Bernie Clark, any untrained person can sit down to a piano, they can apply pressure to the keys, and they can generate sound. But the sounds that the untrained pianist produces will be worlds apart from the sublime perfection that is Bach's Goldberg variations, for example. And without proper training, your classes run the risk of being the yoga analog to the jarring cacophony of a three-year-old banging on a piano. You just don't want to be that person. And this lack of understanding and experience of the underlying principles of yin yoga leads me to the third reason why someone should train in yin yoga. And that is for the sake of the integrity of yin yoga itself. If you teach something, you are the de facto ambassador of whatever it is that you're teaching. Recklessly teaching a practice you know little about ultimately tarnishes the practice itself. In this case, it tarnishes the integrity of yin yoga. And there are many people in the yoga community at large that are 
I guess due to some unfortunate misunderstandings, they are all too ready to throw yin yoga directly under the bus, claiming yin yoga overstretches ligaments, that it creates joint instability, that yin yoga is inherently dangerous because it lacks safe alignment considerations, or that yin yoga shouldn't be practiced by people with hypermobility. All of these claims are, for the most part, false. But if you don't know how to defend yin yoga against these claims and arguments, the practice and sort of the culture of yin yoga itself will suffer. So for the sake of yin yoga's integrity, it's important to be an articulate ambassador of the practice and not some hack. Okay, I think the fourth reason to get properly trained is to receive feedback from your teachers on how you're actually demonstrating your comprehension of the material you've learned. Some trainings omit this component altogether, and other trainings have dedicated time to practice, teach, and then receive feedback from the teachers while in the live module. But my experience of live training practicums has always felt suboptimal. There just isn't enough time for it, the feedback is a bit rushed, the teaching that people give is, is, has, a, has a background layer of uh, nervousness and anxiety. So we, in the yin yoga school, try to devise something different. Uh, Terry and I felt that squeezing precious time for practice teaching into the live training would leave less time for other valuable components. So instead, we created an online practicum module where teachers take videos of themselves teaching yin yoga poses as well as creating a video of themselves speaking on the fundamental principles of the practice. Students are then placed in small cohorts with four other students where they share and evaluate each other's videos before discussing and receiving feedback with a senior teacher. In this way, everyone's game levels up. And as educators, Terry and I feel confident that the students who complete this practicum, they demonstrate a high standard of competency and excellency. Anybody can passively sit and attend a training, but we take pride in our students who complete our practicum modules assessment we know that our students are able to walk the talk when they graduate. And lastly, the final reason to train, in my opinion, comes down to a hard to name and almost intangible reason, but I'll call it transmission. In certain styles of spirituality, there is this idea of the experienced teacher passing on the corpus of the teachings to a student. This process of passing on is referred to as a transmission. And the thing about transmissions like this is that they aren't reducible to cognitive knowledge. A transmission is not something you can pick up in a book or an article or a podcast. It's something that is carried and conveyed from one living being to another. And there's no substitute for being in the presence of someone who has steeped themselves in a practice for several decades. I personally feel very fortunate to have had access to several deeply seasoned teachers over the course of my life and I encourage you to seek out the same for yourself. So those are some of my thoughts about the importance of training in yin yoga, and I hope they're helpful to you. Okay, now for a short bit of housekeeping. The fall season has some great conversations on deck. The next few episodes continue my interview with Matthew Remsky on the scandals plaguing the yoga and Buddhist world. 
These are conversations not many people want to hear about. They involve heinous acts of harm and years of complicity with many well-respected teachers. But Matthew is a gem of an investigative journalist, and I continue to benefit from learning from him. In fact, we all need to learn about this to begin to establish an ethical standard in our communities that condemns these cycles of abuse to the past. Also up on deck for this season, my friend Dr. Timothy McCall joins me on the podcast to discuss his new memoir that documents his diagnosis and remission of cancer. Timothy and I talk about cancer, fasting, problems in scientific evaluation of alternative therapies, and lots more. It was an immensely fun conversation with him, and I'm really excited to share that with you soon. And finally, it's looking like my goal to bring female guests to the podcast is finally going to bear fruit. I'll keep you in suspense for now, but 2020 is looking like a good year for women on Everyday Sublime. Also, please don't forget, the reflections on yin yoga series and two free practice videos will be arriving in your inbox as soon as you sign up for my newsletter. Just go to www.joshsummers.net forward slash subscribe. That's joshsummers.net forward slash subscribe. As always, thanks so much for listening today, and I'll see you in the next episode.